2020. A year filled with so many major stories, it felt almost daily. Please join us in a moment of silence in honor of number 24, Kobe Bryant. To record-setting weather around the world. Please understand that you should be moving now, acting now, to get you and your family ready for this storm. This fire is gonna to continue to cross and, and encroach upon the homes in multiple areas. A divisive impeachment in DC. There's a giant asterisk next to the president's acquittal. So we've reached the conclusion, I think this was a thoroughly political exercise from the beginning to the end. A Cincinnati City Council under fire. The allegations against Councilmember Denard are serious. As mentioned in the indictment, Pastor and Marshall were aggressive and cavalier. I intend to keep fighting, fighting these false allegations. The COVID-19 pandemic we are still battling. The slope, the incline of cases that we've experienced as we've gone into the late fall and soon to be early winter, it is really quite troubling. Voices rising up against racial injustice. No peace! No racism! Police! No justice! No peace! Some turning into riots. Now. The 2020 presidential election turning bitter and hostile. I am the least racist person. He pours fuel on every single racist fire. The Brent Spence Bridge catching fire after a crash. Brent Spence Bridge in both directions is going to be closed down for quite a while. And one of the most violent years in Cincinnati. We just got another call. Stage three children heard gunshots, found parents deceased. On TV, we only get a few minutes to share each story, but here we get to tell you all the details about stories that are important to Greater Cincinnati. I'm Stephen Albritton, and this is WLWT News 5 Beyond the Studio Year in Review. Today on the pod, a look back on the impact of what was 2020. Our focus from the pandemic went to a really a global focus on race relations in America. WLWT anchors Kelly Rippin, Colin Mayfield, Ashley Kirkland, Mike Gardis, and Cherie Palello stop by to chat about how 2020 played out for them. But I think 2020 has reminded us that, you know, it's, it's very simple things that can make us happy. And how even with a year like 2020, there is hope in 2021 we can all look forward to. You know, you can be big, you can be better than you were before. You can treat your friends a little better than you did before. You can be a harder worker than you were before. Joining me first for today's episode is our morning anchors, Kelly Rippon and Colleen Mayfield. Guys, thanks so much for uh, being with us today. We're talking about 2020 and what it has been in quite a year. It has been, it seemed like every few days, every week, something else was happening, whether that be something internationally or something um, uh, here close to home. So uh, Kelly, I'll start with you. You know, just look back on 2020. What's, what stands out to you? Cool. Um, it's a lot. It's a heavy it's question, a right? Lot. And I think that was it. Is it, it never felt like there was a break. Like every single time that we all maybe collectively got to take a deep breath, something else happened. Um, I think it was a year of a lot of learning, a lot of really hard conversations, whether it be with your family about, you know, social injustice or. <laughs> medical terminology or how to process all of this information. I think it was a really heavy year and it was, uh, 
one of those things that every time you were almost afraid to take a breath because you knew that something else was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And and Colin, for you, you know, it, it's, you know, you, you can talk politics, you can talk racial injustice, you can even talk, you know, climate, you know, we saw wildfires all over the world. We saw a record setting hurricane season. What, what stands out for you? Yeah. Um, well, other than the George Floyd uh, pictures, only because, you know, I, I my family lives in the north. Um, that obviously was uh, a huge story. Um, we've seen, unfortunately, a lot of those stories uh, today. We just reported that, you know, the Tamir Rice, those two officers uh, aren't going to be charged. And I, you know, some of those storylines have continued over the years. So for me, obviously, that was a huge story, uh, impactful, um, but one that really sh- was able to shine a positive light for me was the vaccine. I, I you know, we spoke about the Moderna thing. Um, I kind of got in, enrolled hap- haphazardly just because I didn't really think through um, all the things that could happen. I just wanted to go go into it without really thinking about what happened. Um, and now on the back end to see that Moderna is actually rolling out this vaccine um, is pretty big. Not not just for me, but you know, I haven't seen my parents in, in over a year. Um, my dad is in that high risk category group with a heart that could fail at any time. So for me, that was a huge thing was to try and get back to some type of normal. And that was the only way I think that we could is getting involved. Um, and that kind of helped me get through the year um, and kind of um, inspired me to get through all of the stuff that we had to report. You know, we had that um, collapse the other day in Adams County a couple of weeks back. So I think it's just been, like Kelly said, a story after a story after a story. That's all um, been huge news. And it's just been um, a very tiring, but a very uh, eventful um, and I think, you know, it's, it's been a, a year where I've learned a lot about myself and I think a lot about um, learning empathy and just being you know, mindful about everybody's position in life. Yeah, so, uh, Colin, of course, you participated in one of the vaccine trials. We did an episode. So if you're listening and haven't heard that, go back and listen to it. It was a great episode on uh, what he was doing, what he is still doing as far as uh, the Moderna trials there. So, uh, Kelly, let's go back to you. As a journalist, you know, you've been in this business for a while, you know, like the rest of us, you know, what kind of toll has it taken on you um, in your growth as a journalist? Or maybe things have changed how you look at certain stories with so much happening, because, you know, the three of us being anchors, we have a unique perspective of everything um, going around or going on, you know, being that we sit at the desk and kind of, you know, be the faces of what the news is coming, uh, coming out and towards people. You know, how, how has it been for you this year? What's changed for you? I think delivery is a big part of our job and always has been, but I think even more so this year, it has taken on this role of letting people know what's going on, not causing people to panic, but also trying to convey this seriousness of what's going on. And we're talking about all these different stories. It's, there is a level of, um, Empathy, as Colin's talking about, and our voices that have to come through, but also uh, a patience and a calmness because we don't need to be telling people how to feel, but we need to be getting the facts across to people so that they know how uh, to process what they want to process. And I think it's a really, really hard balance. And I think this year, a lot of us tested on, you know, our ability to do that and how to go about that. And I think also, you know, what has been very different about this year is oftentimes we're reporting these stories. We're talking about something that happened in one town and then we go home to our families and then something that happened in another town and then we go home to our families. I think like so many people, 
a lot of these stories came home with us in different ways, whether it's, you know, the racial injustice or whether it's, you know, businesses being impacted by coronavirus, whether it's jobs being impacted by coronavirus, whether it's your health or your family's health, as Colin's mentioning, being impacted by coronavirus. I think what has been so different this year and covering stories in the way that we've had to this year is you don't get to go home and get away from it. You're still part of it every single day, every single minute. How do your actions reflect what we're talking about? How do you balance, you know, what's going on at home, people's frustration, people's stress, viewers, but also our own. I mean, you know, we've been very lucky this year with who we work for, with where we work, we've been blessed and we're all very lucky, you know, in that respect, but that's just not the case for a lot of people. We had a job loss in my household and it's, you know, it's starting over. It's okay. How are we going to refigure this? How are we going to go ahead and, and, and restructure our lives? And what does the future look like to balance all of that? And I think a lot of times people do forget that like we, we live and work here. Like we, we, we report the news here. Yes. 100%. But we also live and work here. Our friends own those businesses. Our friends are working in these hospitals. Our friends are getting laid off or some, you know, sometimes our significant others or our family um, or someone's battling COVID. And it's just, uh, I think it's been a different way to report in that, again, delivery means a lot, but you also have to do your best to separate work from life when before that might have been a little bit easier this year it was damn near impossible yeah you're, you're exactly right you know our building has not been immune from covid we've had a couple of cases in our building and you know for people you know we mentioned you'll hear later on in the podcast but you know we are all separated at work we don't interact this podcast is being recorded over zoom so it's just a very unique situation all the way around yeah colin for you what what has been the outside like maybe your family or friends or you know what, what what kind of things have they been saying to you asking questions about you know how your job has changed how your life has changed or even you know just in this era of you know people wanting facts you know what's been that outside perception of what we do um throughout 2020 and everything that we've had to go on yeah we've i mean i feel like we're the crucible this year like you know, um, we're in the midst of, of this, these fire or these flames, um, because of the stuff that we have to do or, or what our job says we have to do. And I think, um, I don't think journalism became more important because I think it's always important. Um, but I think this year people saw how evident it was needed. Right. And, and factual journalism, um, both in paper and on TV, um, keeping things uh, because we know how misinformation just spread, not only in the election this year, but with the pandemic. And that affected so many things. I mean, the first lockdown we had really didn't do anything for us, you know? Um, and I think some of the misinformation that we had, of course, we have to dispel. And that was, you know, I, I can't think of, I've almost been in the business 10 years now, any other time that we've had to really do that every single day on one single topic, you know? Um, and so that has been, I think, the hardest thing is to be consistent with folks like, hey, listen, we've been saying this all year, you know, like there are certain guidelines there are certain things you have to do. Um, so I think people have realized that, you know, misinformation is out there, you need to watch for it. Um, news can be a place where they can gather that information that can be true, uh, that will be true, will be, you know, uh, bipartisan, that type of thing. Um, I guess the biggest question 
going back to that vaccine again is, is, you know, I still get like, have you gotten the vaccine? Have you gotten the placebo? You know, do you know when, um, and all those things are up in the air. And, and of course, because we're waiting on the production lines to, to be uh, bolstered up and get more vaccinations in. Um, so I think, I think the way in which people have asked has changed because they want to be more up on the, um, on the knowledge, um, on knowing the information and they want it right now. Whereas maybe they would, you know, wait for their phones. I mean, I'm getting a lot more emails and text messages and Facebook messages, which is fine. It's what we're here for. Um, and honestly, I think that dialogue, um, helps us as well because, you know, we're not just on TV. We're also in the newsroom and stuff and we can answer a lot of questions for folks. So, um, there's been a lot of direct responses and, and, uh, a lot of people that need the information now, which is totally understandable, especially with people still waiting on their first COVID checks, you know? So. Yeah, as, as the we're supposed to be getting the second round yeah. coming out right now, people are still waiting on the, those, those uh, first ones back from what uh, the spring, March, April, whenever that was. Well, right. uh, let, let's kind of uplift this up. And uh, it's been a hard year for 2020, and I know hope is one of those things people really want going into 2021. So, Kelly, we'll start with you. I don't know if it might have been a story you've covered, a person you've spoken to, a family member, aunt, grandma, you know, whatever it might be. What is one thing that's giving you hope heading into 2021? You know, I think as hard of a year as it has been, I do think there is many reasons to be hopeful for 2021. I think a lot of people had a lot of hard conversations this year. And I hope that that has given people just a platform to know that you can have those tough conversations and you actually can get places with those conversations. You can start to like chip away at different feelings that people have for maybe reasons they have no idea. And I think, you know, people are reaching out and seeing opportunities to learn more and to be good news gatherers. Like Colin was mentioning, like people want it and they want it right now. And it's like, well, that headline is not always the story. Like you have to reach further. And I think a lot of people are getting better at that after this year and, and, and feeling hopeful. I would say as far as like specifics, um, it actually just happened a couple of days ago. I was here on, um, Christmas morning and got a phone call from a gentleman that Jatera had done a story with, uh, his wife who worked at the McDonald's and she talked to everybody. Everyone knew her, everyone loved her. And, you know, I didn't even get to meet these people, but the story just like had us all in just about tears that morning. Um, and her husband called the station and I happened to answer the phone and he just wanted to say thank you. And he said, you know, that's my wife. I, I slept in a bed with her for decades. Like we've been together. We have kids, we have grandchildren together. And I didn't realize the impact that she was having on so many people in our community with just 30 second interactions. And he called to say thank you to us. And I mean, this is a man who just lost his partner of however many years who, you know, it is sad as morning. It's the holiday season. And he said, you know, I could be sad and the holidays are tough, but it's also just a perfect reminder of how far your small deeds, your small good deeds can go to help change someone's life. And that she and I are going to be together again. And I was like, you know, the tears start again, but it just was like that reminder. And I think that's kind of all of 2020 is people have had to adapt. People had to change and kind of boil it down to the basics again. And I think if anything, a lot of people have hopefully remembered what it's like to kind of, 
remember what's important and it's all at the very base of what we already have. Yes, there's a lot of things that we want and that we think we need, but I think 2020 has reminded us that, you know, it's, it's very simple things that can make us happy. And for a lot of people talking to Miss June at the drive-through was their source of joy. So it can come from a lot of different places. So I think hopefully we can carry that over to 2021 and people will be very grateful for these little moments that they have. Um, yeah, because I think we all need it <laughs> at this point in the year. Yeah, it was a great story by Jatera. And if you haven't oh. seen it, I will be sure to put the link down in the show notes so you all can go back and, um, so and watch it for all your listeners out there because it was really good. Uh, Colin, for you, you know what, what's giving you hope going into 2021? Oh, by the way, Jatera has a ton of good, great stories. Uh, yeah, that's the truth. So um, <laughs> look those up. Um, a lot of our night reporters have done amazing jobs. All of our reporters have been out on the streets. So I got to I got to say thank you to all of them. They've they've been beating the streets all year, um, killing it. And uh, we're number one because of them and all their work and all the people in the background. So special shout out to them um, real quick. But um, that's a great question. I. Uh, I haven't, I've had numerous conversations, I guess, with a lot of folks, but I, I don't want to pinpoint really an interview. Um, I think just being out and nobody recognizing you anymore is the most refreshing thing. Not that I'm a huge celebrity anyway, but you know, if you're just having a regular conversation with someone and they don't know what you do for a living, um, you learn so much about people. And I think it's having a mask on now, obviously, um, and I, I try to wear a hat now, but I think just, you know, not walking around knowing that you're um, Colin May from Channel, Channel 5 um, and just being a regular person in some sense. And just, you know, the other day I was in, in, um, in Kroger before Christmas and a lady was just like, everybody in the line today has just been real rough, you know. Um, and, you know, I tipped her, tipped her and, and I wanted to see what would happen if people would would care you know, carry that on. It did. People continued to give money, went to Chick-fil-A um, a couple of days back, somebody paid for my order, continued doing that through the line. And I think um, as hard as it has been and people are, you know, needing the money, I, I've seen more panhandlers on the side of the road, you know, instead of handing money, I've been trying to pack food bags and, and hand those out. Um, so I think the kindness has really elevated itself. And I know a lot of people have still dealt with a lot of unkind people this year. Um, but there's a lot of good out there. And I think a lot more has come through and not only in the work of our healthcare workers and some of the people that are on the front lines, but just everyday folks, you know, the people at our grocery stores. Um, I have just been so grateful um, to not only have a job for the people that we depend on. I, I don't think we realized the people that we depended on um, prior to this. And I think some people, you know, maybe take note of it, but, um, but it really does give you, I think, hope for the future that people understand that when there is a tough situation, they can't just run and hide. You know, um, we've got to try and pull together. And uh, unfortunately, <laughs> we didn't do as good on some of the requirements with the CDC. But I think we can do better, obviously, there um, as a as a community and as a group of people. But um, that does give me hope that more people are, are doing kind, kind things for folks and um, thinking outside themselves, because that's the, that's what we really needed. And I think um, if anything came out of this time, the pandemic, I think that's one of the biggest positives. All right. Kelly Rippin, Colin Mayfield. Thank you guys both so much for joining me on the Beyond the Studio podcast. We really do appreciate it. Up next, uh, Ashley Kirkland is joining me. So stick around for that conversation. We will be right back. Accuracy. It matters in everything you do. Your GPS needs to be accurate. Take a left on. Your taxes need to be accurate. And your dentist 
needs to be accurate. You choose accuracy every day. And for an accurate forecast, choose WLWT Weather. It's the only forecast in Cincinnati independently certified most accurate. Nine years in a row and counting. Accuracy does matter. Choose accuracy. Choose WLWT Weather. Next up is my co-anchor, Ashley Kirkland. She's been nice enough to take a few minutes out of her busy day and busy schedule to chat with us. You know, Ashley, when we look back on 2020, I know it's a broad question because so much has happened, but what's what stood out to you over the past, you know, 365 days? <laughs> well, I'll start with our anchoring the New Year's Eve show together. And we had no idea what this year was going to hold. And then you and I had kind of we wanted to start a list of everything that maybe was going to happen just for historic context, you know, purely, we just wanted to start a list. And I think after about January 10th, <laughs> we just said, forget the list. Never mind. This is going to be too much, clearly. Um, so, yeah, do you remember that? I do remember the list, but it was so long ago and we've been, you know, stuck in the cycle of COVID and COVID coverage because it's important, you know, so many things have happened, so many people, so many people have lost their lives, unfortunately, yeah. but I think it all kind of hit that early tipping point when, um, you know, Kobe Bryant died so early mm. in the year. And I'll never forget that day because I was, I was sitting on my couch. My wife wasn't home, but I had both kids with me and I, I saw a tweet and I think it was from TMZ cause they're, you know, so mm -hmm. on top of stuff like this. And I texted some friends just like, I said, I said, guys. And they were like, like what? And I sent them the article and they're like, no. And I was like, yeah. TMZ is usually not wrong about stuff like this. They're <laughs> all over right. it. And right. then, boom, you saw pictures and then, you know, the rest of that day happened and the rest of that year happened, this year happened. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the tipping point for me at the beginning as well. And I think we forgot everything that happened before that, where, you know, we were kind of in a dispute with Iran earlier mm -hmm. in the year. Um, and then Kobe Bryant happened. Of course, the pandemic, uh, the shutdown around March 15th, I think it was, was when everybody kind of just paused and started to really take this pandemic seriously. And I, it's funny because I was doing stories before that and we were so naive here in America. I was doing stories about wedding dresses and women thinking that the pandemic in China was going to delay their wedding dress or not. And I remember talking to a bridal shop owner and she's like, it's not even going to be a problem. <laughs> you know, we're not even worried about it. They have, they have assured us that the dresses will come in on time. And then a few months later, I'm doing stories, of course, about people canceling their weddings or rescheduling their weddings. So Overall, I think the naivety that we had about this whole thing really hits me now that we thought, hmm, this is not going to happen to us. Um, and of course, you get to the summertime and you have George Floyd, which just changed our entire stratosphere. Our focus from the pandemic went to a really a global focus on race relations in America. I remember talking about reports of people in, in New Zealand marching in the streets for Black Lives Matter here in our country. And then we had George Floyd's funeral. And I don't know about you, but I had never seen a funeral in our lifetime. People compared it to Emmett Till's funeral. I hadn't seen anything like that that 
conquer the airwaves on every single network. How about you? Yeah, it, I, it was the first of something like that for me because I specifically remember watching most of it during the daytime. And, you know, you had all the, you know, big players, you know, uh, you know Al Sharpton was up there. And then you hear, hear his family speak and speak so passionately about um, George Floyd. And you saw the procession out to the cemetery and everything. And it was just one of those moments that you definitely don't forget, you know, of course, you all remember, we all remember the moment when you saw the video for the first time, mm-hmm. of, you know, the moment when he, his life was taken and um, how it all just trickled and trickled so fast. Cause we'd seen situations like this before, you know, uh, Eric Garner, Michael Brown, you know, to some extent, but situations like this, but this one just hit so differently across the country. And then it came to Cincinnati where we had our own, issues come up you know from the ray tenting trial um way back when a few years ago and then it uh, you and i on the desk that night yeah watching people protest and peacefully and seeing it all just switched so quickly that night yeah so we were anchoring um filling in for mike and cherie because they were out on vacation and you know we're doing the eleven thirty news and uh helena jatera are out in the field and it's about 11.15 and everything is going normal. You know, we kept talking about highlighting how the protests were peaceful Then all of a sudden it just shifted. And that's that's how news does, right, uh, in our world to breaking news um, because people, protesters downtown had busted out the windows of the Justice Center where Helena was. And this ended up being a, um, what, what was it? Four hour marathon for you yep. and I. And this was really our first time getting to um, cover extensive breaking news together, um, leading leading the show. I don't know, kind of your thoughts from that night. Uh, I, of course, was just stunned. And then that grew into fatigue <laughs> because we were there all night. I think my my lips were going numb at some point. Yeah. And, and you know, that's one of those moments where, you know if it's happening now and we were on and we knew we weren't going to cut away and, you know, former Cincinnati uh, council member, Jeff Pastor, we had him live on our air. He was emotional about everything going on and we were seeing police react in different ways and hop in their police cars and drive down streets to cut off these protesters and that protester. And then you had Helena and Jatera in the middle of it and also their photographers, you know, they're trying to stay in a safe place, but still trying to get the shots. And, you know, we hear the tear gas firing off. We see the clouds, you know, roll towards them. So we're trying to keep them safe and move them along and cut away from them so they can get some fresh air. And then you, it finally calmed down around, what was it, three or so in the morning. 3.30. Started, yeah, 3.30 in the morning when people started to disperse and police were making arrests and everybody kind of you know, went home and it was just a surreal night to see how quickly it all turned. And, you know, all over this Black Lives Matter movement from George Floyd and people reacting to, you know, such a uh, impactful and, you know, disheartening event in our country. It was a, that's a night I won't forget. That's, that's absolutely certain. Absolutely. And not to toot our own horn, but, you know, we, we were the only local station on the longest that long as we were. And some of our friends, you know, that work in other stations, they're like, you know, yeah, we cut out at two o'clock and I turned on you and Steven and we didn't, we didn't have any idea when things were going to calm down or when we would get off air. But as you look back on all of this and the protests and us being on air that night, has it hit you still that we are living history that one day, maybe 
documentaries will show clips of us reading these historic moments in, in news. I, I don't think it's hit me just yet, just because so much has happened in 2020. We're still in the middle of this pandemic. It's still going to keep on going. And I know that night was so significant for such a, a big cause that still continues to this day. People, you know, fighting for uh, social justice, but it's just been so we've been so thick in the woods of so much stuff that it's been hard to take that step back because the moment I feel like you try to step back, something else is happening. You know, even with the pandemic, it was like, oh, it's in China. Oh, we've had our first cases here. Oh, we're, we're trying to corral it. Then George Floyd gets killed and we're in the middle of that. But then we're still in the middle of this pandemic in the summer and we have a lull. But then next, you know, we have our second wave coming. So we're right back into that coverage again. And then you have what happened to Breonna Taylor. That comes back full circle at late summer with um, um, the uh, attorney general in Kentucky trying to get um, a grand jury convened and all that. Next mm -hmm. thing you know, we're in the fall where we have a third wave of COVID. We have Thanksgiving. We're seeing 3,000 Americans passing away every single day. So it's just been so hard to find a time to step back to be a part of history in this business and just really, you know, appreciate everything we've covered, but also, you know, reflect and say to ourselves, you know, how can we do this better as we head into 2021? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think journalists, just like doctors and nurses, no way am I comparing us to them because they have done such heroic things during this pandemic, but um, just like any other group that is um, crit highly criticized in their job. And, you know, rightfully so, because we hold a platform that not many people get to hold. Um, but it went from people really praising us and saying, thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for getting this information out there, you know, back to fake news and, you know, even trying to tear gas us and everything at these protests or whatever. It's just, it's been funny to me to see the waves of how people appreciate our <laughs> what we do during 2020 during everything that's happened yeah oh, yeah and we've only you know in our short conversation here we've only scratched the surface of so many other things um, high profile celebrities who have passed away uh, international conflicts conflicts within our own country things happening in washington it's just been been a year and i think if you watch any year in review story i'm sure somebody's going to make a documentary about the year of 2020 and you're just going to sit there and be like I forgot about that. I forgot about that. I forgot about, oh, that, that happened. Like, I'll never forget the night Chadwick Boseman passed away. Black Panther, I was on the 10 o'clock show and I saw a tweet here and a tweet there. And then I saw um, the Associated Press break in with it. I'm like, what, what is next in this year? I think that was in August, late August or some, somewhere around that time. The presidential election, we haven't even talked about that. We don't, oh my God. don't even have time for that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just been one of those years, but I know we hope 2021 is better for everybody. You know, we have the vaccine and we're, we're just hoping that, you know, it's it's one that has a few more uplifting stories than what we had in 2020. So, okay, I'm sorry, I don't mean to take up, but let's oh, talk about the presidential election really quickly because <laughs> you, played a, you played a big role in like, you know, getting all the numbers and all of that stuff. And I know you're a numbers person, but what was that like for you? Uh, first of all, how many elections, presidential elections, have you covered in your career? And what was that like for you, you know, getting all of that information in and trying to get it out to the public? This would be my second. No, this would be my uh, 
I guess, including college, this will be my fourth election, you know, 2008 when the, uh, Barack Obama won and 2012, that was the year I started working in journalism when um, President Obama won a second term. But I wasn't really covering the presidential election at my first station. I was covering the local races. And then the, obviously 2016, I was in Kansas City covering local races again. But this one here in 2020 was the first time like I was strictly cover the numbers, cover the electoral college map and all that. And it, it was fascinating to see the ins and outs and the pathways to victory. Because in the end, you know, you'll look at the electoral college map and you know where, call it 70% of the country and these states are going to go. You know, the entire West Coast is going to go blue. That's 55 votes. You can pretty much put it in the Democrat column. Middle of the country, uh, you know, Nebraska, Missouri, Kansas, the Dakotas, Wyoming's, Idaho's, you can put that in the Republican column. But then seeing the swing states and knowing, well, if Pennsylvania and Ohio go this way, well, then Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, and uh, Iowa need to go this way. Well, Arizona's in play, Georgia's in play. Well, if this goes this way and North Carolina goes that way. So it's just like this big puzzle in my mind that, you know, you can have to just see the returns come in slowly and just kind of keep it with the facts and go from there. But, you know, we, we depend so much on the national outlets to break that stuff down for us. But in the end, you know, I know people in Cincinnati, you know, trust us to bring us those numbers and the likely outcomes. And I'll never forget, we preached it all week that the numbers were going to take time. I, I remember saying it in every single show and every single hit, the numbers are going to take time. We're not going to have a winner tonight unless this happens. And that did not happen, you know, that specific scenario. And it could take some time. And I said, Pennsylvania is going to take a long time to count because they cannot <laughs> count absentee ballots until the day of and everything and else people, is in. People just didn't believe you, huh? I, I, I think they did, but then, you know, people get restless. They want, they want to know the answer. And then that sows doubt in people's mind, you know, when is it going to happen? When's it going to happen? And then Tuesday turned into Wednesday, turned into Friday. And then finally Saturday midday, you know, they finally had the election called. But did we know? Because <laughs> did we really? <laughs> well, most people knew, but of course, as, as will say, yeah, that yeah, but, some folks yeah. will say it's still not called, but it's still not. I, I guess it's officially once Congress ratifies the electoral college votes, it will not officially be over. But you know, everything here is just a process at this point. Yeah. So, what a year! Up, I, I was gonna say, if I could sum up. Uh, 2020 in a Drake song, who is one of your favorite artists, I would say, what a time to be alive. <laughs> what a time to be alive. I think I've said that in, gosh, who knows how many tweets over the last year. <laughs> <laughs> so Ashley, thanks so much for taking some time for us on the Beyond the Studio podcast. We're going to take a quick break on the other side. We're going to talk to Mike Dardis and Sheree Palello about their year in review. Ashley, thank you. Thank you. So we are back on the Beyond the Studio podcast. Joining me now is Sharif Palello and Mike Dardis, our two main anchors here at WLWT. And uh, guys, we've been uh, chatting on this podcast about what 2020 has been, a long 365 days, close to it at this point from whenever uh, you're listening at home. So, uh, you know, Sharif, you know, you, you've been in this business, you've been in Cincinnati for a while, you know, 2020, I mean, in a, in so many words like what, what was your take on 2020 what stands out to you you know what it's funny Stephen, because i was talking to mike about this and i don't remember a year like this of course ever in my lifetime but if i had to compare it 
to another news cycle. I would liken it to 9-11. I was a reporter in Charlotte, North Carolina at that time. And I remember getting the call from my news director and they sent me to ground zero. And I was there for over a week covering, you know, that tragedy. And, and I, to this day, can kind of smell the smells that were going on then. I still have vivid images. And that's what this year has been like to me as a journalist. I, I can remember at the beginning of the year when this pandemic started, and what a lot of your listeners probably don't realize is that Stephen was the one in our newsroom who said, we're due for a pandemic. And I think Mike and I and everybody in the studio that night sort of laughed and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then and then bam, really it hit us um, in March. But, but, but then it was like just this crazy wave of news between the daily news updates from our governor and the president every day, you know, all day long it felt like in the beginning and it was every day, all day long. Then we had an officer killed in the line of duty, Kaya Grant. Then we went, we finally, we were all closed in our houses. We could, you know, we had, there was the, the shutdown happened and we all lived it, right? Even when we weren't at work. Um, and, and that was scary. I remember going to the grocery and, and there was nothing, not even just the toilet paper and the paper towels, but there were no vegetables and 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 there were no, there was a macaroni and spaghetti. And I remember calling home, um, you know, in tears a little bit like, what is going on? I've never lived through something like this. Finally, that's sort of, that the, the, the shutdown was lifted. We went on a little family getaway and on the way back, our phones are blowing up and the protests had erupted. You know, we had sort of detached from news that week. It was, it had been such a heavy, heavy news cycle the last several months that we really weren't paying so much attention purposely, like we're going to take a break from news. And all of a sudden, you know, friends and family and, and, you know, police sources are messaging us, like, are you seeing what's going on on the streets of Cincinnati? And so it has just been such a crazy, sad, scary. And at the same time, I think now we're starting to come out of it. You realize that, okay, we really do come together when it matters most. And to see this vaccine coming out, it feels like there's this light at the at the end of the tunnel now. So yeah, I think um, it's, I would compare it to, to 9-11 and um, that scary feeling of you don't know what's ahead. And I've never felt that as a young reporter. And then this year, I've I had never felt it before as a veteran anchor. Yeah, I was just gonna say, uh, just in a, in a shorter format here for you, um, Get your head out of the sand. So often we have our heads in the sand and we think one way and we think things can't happen and things are not possible. And Sheree alluded to it earlier that you had mentioned with what was going on overseas, you know, there's a real possibility that we could be due for a pandemic. And look, I'd be lying if I said I thought that you were that it was going to happen. I mean, there's no way I thought that was going to happen. And we have this, uh, sometimes we have parents who give advice, prepare for the worst, but we really don't. Um, and, and I think that this has taught us, I know George W. Bush actually uh, read a book about the pandemic of uh, 1918, and it, it got him in this mode that, hey, we need to prepare America for the next pandemic. And they got all these things together, and, and thank the Lord that he did, because that was one of the reasons why, why we started thinking about um, getting prepared for the, the next pandemic. And because I don't think anybody would ever think something like this could happen. 
But the bottom line is uh, what, what sticks out to me the most is we've never been more divided as a country. We've never been more one-sided in our opinions. Um, and, and I just, I hope as we get out of this pandemic and as we get out of all of these, uh, out, of, out of this strife and, and some of this hatred and political divide, and, and it's okay to be a Republican and have liberal leanings. And it's okay to be a Democrat and have conservative leanings. And, that's what America is made on. You, you, you know, you, if you get 100 people in a room, normally you get 100 adults in a room to solve a problem. We figure that we can all get together and sensibly do it. But in the 100 people, when you talk about Washington, D.C., they can't. You know, they, everybody's got it's either this way, it's that way. It doesn't have to be black or white. We can be more gray as we move on to 2021. Mm-hmm. And, and with that, you know, we, we talk so much about this whole pandemic of 2020, but we had an election that really lasted longer and more visceral than we've really ever seen. At least I've only covered a a couple of elections in my lifetime, but it it seems that the election just kind of poured on top of everything else that we had to go through this year. And even in our, our coverage, we, it felt like we only had a couple of topics that we had time to cover. Yeah. It was every night. It's either that pandemic at one point, of course, we were covering the protests nightly for a long stretch. Um, and then of course, politics, and now it's the vaccine. You know, just to kind of piggyback off of what Mike said, I, I guess what I really want your listeners to realize is, I think people think that we are either Republican or Democrat, that we have an agenda to to give to you every night. And while the national news may lean that way, of course you choose Fox News because you're more conservative and maybe you choose NBC News, national news, because they're more liberal. I want all of our viewers and listeners to realize that we really take this stuff home with us and we're we're parents and we're friends at work. And yet these things weigh heavily on us. I can't tell you how many times during any one of those stories that I would get messages from just angry viewers on both sides. And I would sort of, I'm normally when I was, I think younger, I would take it really personally, but now I would chuckle and say, well, I guess we're doing our job because they don't know where I lean, you know, they don't know what side I'm on. And, and, and on that same note, I can't tell you, and I bet you were this way, Stephen, or um, maybe Ashley and our morning crew at different times. I can't tell you how many times during some of this coverage that I drove home and I would cry, you know, to, to Mike, because it hits us that hard. It really weighs on us. You're trying so hard to be delicate and balanced every night on the air. And then at the same time, you, you care about the people you cover. You care about the stories you're covering. You feel strongly sometimes about the things that you're watching happening on our streets or being said by people in the community. And yet you really can't give that opinion. Right. So, um, I think I realized once again how important this job is, that it's so important for us to give both sides of stories, to just put information out there and then let the people decide. But I just hope that people realize that we're human beings too. We're really, we're really not, we don't, we're not in this because we're trying to give our agenda night in and night out. We really are fighting to give you all of the information. And I think on those lines of the question about politics. You know, it's our job as journalists that when you're on TV or you're on the radio, that people don't know the wit, you know, know the way you lean. And uh, you know, I I know that you know 
while I might have a feeling about a certain person in the newsroom or this person, and I kind of get an idea of how they, they're going to vote for Biden or they're going to vote for Trump, you know, some of them, when they actually do their job, you don't know that, you know, the, the, you put out the facts or you try to balance the show and it's a really difficult job. Um, it used to be that people in an election, it would be like 35% or 40% or 45% would vote in an election. And now you have 75%. So, so many more people are involved and it's become so emotional and people get so personal with it. And, and they feel if, if, if you, if you vote for Biden, then you like handouts and you're weak. And if you vote for Trump, you're, you know, potentially a racist. And it's not true. It's, it's not true that everybody on this side is this way and everybody on this side is this way. I've always said, sadly, you know, it used to be the, the 5% on either side blurred the lines. And I think it's more like maybe 15 to 20% on either side that they blur the lines. And then you have that 60% in the middle that are pretty level-headed. But um, my takeaway is the, there's, there's a good part of this and that's more people are involved in politics than ever before and interested. Used to be in news, we would bury politics in the second or third block because nobody cared. Now it's first block news and it's the lead. You've got high school kids involved. You've got college people with opinions. Everybody with babysitters, CEOs, everybody's got an opinion. That's good. Now let's figure out a way to listen to somebody else and accept their opinion and not just spew the hate right away because they don't think the way we do. I don't know how we're going to get there. I think it's going to take strong leaders on either side of those political lines to come out and, and, and try to, to smooth this thing over. But unfortunately, that doesn't happen until a second term a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we, we will see what happens moving forward. Now, you know, for our listeners at home, you know, Mike and Shree, you guys are both very social people. You know, in our newsroom, you guys are the ones walking around, you're talking to people. And I don't think people really realize at home how much things have changed under our own roof in our building as far as you know us interacting with each other i mean we are having this conversation over zoom three floors apart in our own rooms and it's just wild to think that we can't even interact face to face with our own friends and coworkers under the same roof no it's changed so much and like so many of the people listening you know we don't like it either i mean we were we're so used to our day typically starts with a huge meeting where we all sit around this long conference table and and debate ideas we throw things out that we think are important and sometimes there can be really spirited debates and now that's all been taken away like their workforce um, we're, we're doing it over Zoom every day, and it, it's not that same level of connectivity. And I think we all probably at some point over the last year felt that. I know there were days where I you know, mentioned to you where I, I really felt sad driving home because I felt like normally we have such a great friendship and team on our staff. I'm sure, Stephen, you've worked in newsrooms, and I know Mike certainly has coming from Philadelphia at one point, um, where it can be really cutthroat in certain newsrooms. And we don't really have that here. We're, you know, if we've got one or two people who are remotely difficult, that's the way I describe it. But for the most part, we're all friends. We'll go have a beer after work and that's been lost. And um, it's it's just really sad because there is that disconnect in delivering the news. You know, they're literally in our newsroom or maybe three people and they're all spread out, you know, and then you've got people in offices and we, we make it a point, of course, not to to talk and socialize face to face, but let's just hope that changes here soon. Well, I'll never forget when I first uh, got to Cincinnati a little more than a year ago, you guys invited me out for a drink, you know, where, where we, where we live. And I was thinking about that the other night, you know, it was just that 
hour that we were able to sit and chat and talk to each other, you know, we just can't. And it, I, it's you really hate to see it. You really hate to see that you can't do the small things with your friends these days. And oddly enough, that night ended with a political debate in the bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the group sitting next to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> going on and on and on. Um, but back to what she was saying about uh, what you were saying about Zoom. It's like social media. You know, there's so many good things about social media, but the bad thing to me is it brings out these cowards and people who kind of, you know, hide behind things and spew things out from behind closed doors and then they don't talk face to face. And like you would never go up to somebody and say some of the things you say on social media. It's not that extreme here in the newsroom. But what is missing is that face to face, that emotional connection with somebody when you're across the table. When I see a Dan Griffin or I see a Jeter McGee arguing a point because they love a story and you can see their body language and you can see maybe a tear in the corner of their eye, you sit there and you say, oh, she really wants this story or he really wants this story. Let's, today's the day that we, I, I'm gonna back off my argument even though I don't agree. Today I, I say, let's let them go for that. Uh, on social media, it's so impersonal. Uh, I think it's we're always adapting to it and we're getting better as we go. And I think we've gotten so much better in the last six or seven months, overcoming a lot of the obstacles now to the point where it's almost like clockwork, where we can talk and communicate and, and come up with the right stories and the right balance for our newscast. But I do believe in the beginning there was a challenge. And I, I, I believe personally feelings get hurt. And, and it's like it's like when you're texting your mom and you don't send emojis. It's like you're just texting, hey, I'll, I'll be to dinner. Well, you don't seem too happy about it. No, I am happy about it. Maybe I'll send you this smiley face. I think when you're talking on Zoom, sometimes the emotion doesn't come out the way it would sitting face to face. And you either lose uh, you know, some of the power behind some of these uh, arguments for doing stories or, or, or you're not as connected to your, uh, your coworkers as you would normally be. So I, I do think that we've overcome a lot, but yeah, I definitely missed, I'm a big meeting guy. I'm a big face-to-face, -face, shake your hand, see you in the eye. And that's what we teach our young people when they go on job interviews. Now here we are with uh, with this Zoom generation. You know, yeah. piggyback off of what Mike was saying there, um, I, I, I like to think I'm always a cheerleader for our reporters because, you know, I've been out in the field. It is a tough, tough job when you're trying to get people to talk to you, not for two days, not in two days from now, but you need them tonight at nine o'clock so you can turn the story by 11 o'clock. And when you don't have that face-to-face -face interaction, you don't know if maybe they had a bad night last night. You don't, you know, where normally when we're sitting at a meeting, you know, you can say, hey, I, I know last night's story really hit you hard and sorry about that. But, but when you're just doing it over Zoom, you don't want to say it maybe in front of everybody. It's just... It's just been such a tough year. Yeah, even just, you know, a quick chat walking into the newsroom, right. we aren't even able to have, because it used to be, you know, it was myself, it was Ashley, it was you and Mike, and we all sat within, what, 20 feet of each other, yeah. and now we're two and three floors apart. Yeah. But, you know, I, mean, I felt like we went months where we really barely saw each other, mm -hmm. you know, and we're on different levels in this enormous building, and so you really feel disconnected for sure. 
yeah, we just, we're ships passing in the night, even when we switch out on set. So hopefully, you know, the vaccine and all that stuff will uh, bring this all to an end. But to, to kind of wrap our, our conversation up, a lot of great stuff here for our listeners. You know, for you both, what, what gives you hope heading into 21 that, you know, maybe puts a smile on your face? Maybe it's something a, a kid said to you, maybe a story you saw. But what, what gives you hope that 2021 will hopefully be a, a, a better year moving forward than from what we saw in 2020? Two, I mean, two things. Obviously, I think the vaccine gives me great hope to, you know, look, and that's not a political statement. That's just, boy, if we can do anything to help, you know, our our, our grandparents and parents who are in nursing homes or who, I mean, my mom, we canceled Christmas this year too, um, because my my stepfather is um, maybe not well and, and we're thinking it's probably the best thing not to get together. So the vaccine certainly gives me lots of hope that we can finally, you know, help people who are vulnerable and get and start to, to be together face to face again. I think the other thing that just gives me hope is, you know, every now and then we get really great viewers who take the time to send a really thoughtful email that will say, you know, even you know, during this time when I lost a parent, you know, during COVID or when I haven't been able to see my friends and family, I tune into you guys religiously. I count on you because I feel like you're not only there and give me all of the information I need, but you make me laugh because we're sometimes we do, you know, we are able to be silly, you know, whether it's joking with Kevin or, or whatnot. And that just makes me feel like, okay, you know, that's why I got into this business. It wasn't to, you know, I always say to, to up and coming journalists, it wasn't to cover fires and car crashes and shootings. It was to hopefully make a difference. And hopefully that's what we've been able to do for people this year. I would say I have a simple answer to that. And it is if you've had a great love in life and then that person breaks up with you and it's gone, you cherish it, you miss it. You want something like that back. And when you get it back, you don't want to make those same mistakes again. Um, When you've had something important to you, like a job where you got fired because you were lazy or you got fired because you didn't get the job done, you think to yourself, when I get that job again, I'm not going to make those same mistakes. I feel that people take life for granted. And I feel in 2020, it's been taken away from us. Life as we knew it was taken away right from under us. We're going to get it back. And maybe it's not going to be exactly the way it was, but it's going to be darn close. I think after this vaccine and, you know, we're going to go through these cycles where eventually it'll be kind of back to normal. But I just hope that people don't take advantage of it when they get it back. You know, take it for granted. You know, you can be big. You can be better than you were before. You can treat your friends a little better than you did before. You can be a harder worker than you were before. God, I miss going to a football game. You know, and and you know, I, I used to think it was no big deal to go to a Friday night football game or to go to a Big Ten championship game. My son goes to Ohio State. You know, and this year was his freshman year, and here they are in the Final Four. We didn't get to go to a game together. You know, I dreamed that. I'd be tailgating with my friends and meeting him and his buddies and that didn't happen. So guess what? Next year, if I have that chance, I am going to cherish it every second of it. And same thing with his junior and senior year and beyond. I just think, you know, when you have those moments, I feel like life's about indelible moments that just are right here uh, ingrained in your head forever. So make the most of those moments when life comes back to normal try to remember what we've been through together and and hopefully that galvanizes us and uh, that gives me hope for 2021. mike dardis sheree palello thank you guys so much for taking a few minutes to talk to us on the beyond the studio podcast we appreciate it
A link to Jutera's story that Kelly mentioned earlier in the pod is down in the show notes. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. This has been WLWT News 5 Beyond the Studio. I'm Stephen Albritton. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in 2021.